Good morning, family. Great to be together this morning, and I want to say a special welcome. There's some uh, new visitors among us, and uh, for the last while we've been doing this, and I just want to make you aware of this again. If you're here for the first time today, we would like to invite you for a special cup of tea or coffee, and uh, at the, there behind the screens on my right, uh, your left, which is uh, a place where volunteers will come and meet with you and some of our leaders, and just to tell you a little bit about our church and just to get to know you. So if you're new here today, you've never been with us, and you would like to use that opportunity, then uh, we would love to give you one of these cups quickly. So can you raise your hand? If you knew, then our team will just get to you. There's a couple of hands all over the place, and they're going to get to you as quickly as they can and give you some cups. Raise your hand loud and proud, you know, just hold it up so that we can make sure that uh, we get a cup to you. And uh, please come as the service ends. You just go into the section there, there where that banner is that says uh, Connect Lounge, and that's what we call that area. And please come and join us, for, and uh, the team will meet with you there. Uh, before I just say, say one or two other things, I just do want to take this opportunity also to give our heartfelt uh, commiserations to the Tolo family. Uh, one of our beloved members, Tabiso Tolo, passed away during the week. He was in that flight, in that plane that crashed uh, down in the Western Cape. And um, we just want to say to his wife, Zim, and his three children, and the people in our community that knew and love him, that uh, our hearts are with you, and we pray for God's grace and for his covering with you during such a sad time, and that you will know his presence and his comfort during this time. Then uh, we are also today really very special to have with us a bunch of new young people that are starting the Year of Your Life for this year. So I want all those that are the Year of Your Lifers, if you'll just stand so that we can just welcome them particularly and say really welcome to them. As most of you will know, the Year of Your Life has been going for 30, more than 31, this is the 31st year that we've done the Year of Your Life, and every year as a community we have the pleasure of welcoming people from all over our nation and other parts of the world to come and be discipled here with us and in our context, and uh, we just want to say to you, we're so grateful that you are with us. I spent a little bit of time with them and their parents yesterday just to welcome them also and just to pray for them, but we, we know that this is going to be a fantastic year for you, and just get stuck in. You're part of the family now? We'll give you work to make sure that you feel you're part of the family, but you are part of the family and just be at home and be part of us and may the Lord just bless you during this year. So if you see any of the year of your lifers, just make them feel specially welcome also during this time. Thank you very much. You guys can take your seats. Then if I can just remind you of a special event coming up next week, in fact, uh, as we've let you know before that we are changing the way we do baptism a little bit, not the baptism itself. That's biblical and we're keeping to that, but just where we're doing baptism and how often we're doing baptism, we just felt that baptism is, is a public declaration, and we therefore want to bring it a little bit more into the, the reality of our church and make more people aware of it and more people celebrate those people that are getting baptized. So we used to do it every week from now on. We're going to do it once a month, and so we're going to gather the bunch of people and that we can properly celebrate that, and to kick it off, we're going to start next Sunday, and we're actually going to, after the service, as many of us as can as possible, and we invite you to join us and, and celebrate these people and, and their confession of their faith and their new life. And we're going to go up to the, the swimming pool at the school, just to the left as you leave the facility, you go through the school area, we'll make sure that you know where to go. And uh, we're going to have a, a big baptism there together of people that have decided to, to make that declaration. 
And um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting event in our community going forward. So please support that and be part of that. If you feeling the Lord speaking to you about being baptized and it's time that you respond in obedience to Him, that you please contact our office and tell them and then we can prepare for you. Or you can just tell somebody at the information desk and then we can ready for you. Or you can just come on the day we've, and, and get baptized. It would be great if you can bring swimming clothes with you uh, and towels and just what you need so that you can go through the waters of baptism. But join us for that. It's going to be a really great day. Amen. Those are all of the things that we have. I think you guys can sit down and then I'll call you just now back again. Thank you very much. Otherwise, you're going to get tired. They've had such an amazing time over this weekend, and I want to thank all our teams for the great job they've done over this, this weekend. They've served, and like Debbie said, that we went through the night, and um, they were supposed to, at 9 o'clock, stop here and then move to a smaller section, and that only happened at half past 2 in the morning because so many people, and we just there was such a momentum. So it's been a fantastic time. Join us for the rest of the uh, events as Herbin lined it out. I want to continue and just wrap up this little bit of a mini-series that I've done over the last two weeks. And today, if you haven't seen the message, please go on any of our social media platforms and uh, make use of, of that way to get to some of the messages. As I've just been talking about more of God in 2020 and how do we appropriately respond to the Lord so that we can have more of Him as a community and as individuals. And today I want to talk just in the end of that and talk about the greatest joy for a little bit. And I've been speaking last week, I spoke about Romans 12 verse 1, and this week I want to speak about Romans 12 verse 2. So if we can just get that scripture up on the screen, and then I'll read verse 1 and 2 with you this morning. Uh, but really I'm going to speak about verse 2, just a couple of thoughts. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service and worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul writes this very familiar scripture to the Romans. It's such a key scripture, not only in the book of Romans, but in all of scripture. There's some people that say this is a, a hinge scripture, and one of the core scriptures that we all have to understand as believers and, and live out. But he says these important words where in verse 2 he encourages us and he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, he's, he's communicating to us that there's a structure to our lives and that our lives is built on one of two structures. So it's, it's wonderful to be a husband of a wife. There was a good opportunity for some man to say, amen. I saw no, you missed the opportunity, men. You just, you know, there's going to be a cold afternoon, long afternoon for you. So I, I have to help you, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to give you an opportunity again. It's a wonderful thing to be a husband of a wife. Amen. Some of you still like, what's going on? But can I tell you, it's particularly a wonderful thing to be a husband to my wife. Now, none of you will know because I'm the only one that can say that. And there's many reasons why it's a wonderful thing to be a husband to my wife, but one of the reasons is because she's such a crafty art, arts and crafts, not crafty, arts and crafts person, because she's such a, you know, she, she sees possibilities in anything. We have lots of props that I can use as sermon illustrations. Because she's always collecting things, and then she's, one day she's going to do something. And one day, which I think was about 10 years ago already, she got these two things. 
and they've been sort of, I've moved them around in various places and because she keeps telling me, I can't throw them away, she's gonna do something with them one day. One day she's gonna cover them, I think she wants to do paper mache or material, I don't know, but she's gonna make something out of it. But up until that day, I get to use them as sermon props. So these two lampshades are structures that give shape to a lampshade. That, I, you know, they should be covered with some form of material. And that form of material will give color and will make these things look very nice. But how many of you know that the shape of whatever the lamp shape would be, doesn't matter what material you will cover it with, is determined by this wire framework. So here we have two different ones. If you want a round lamp shape, Natasha wants a round lamp shape, then she'll use this one. If she wants something else with more angles and things on it, then she'll use this one. You can't fight against it. These two frameworks determine what this is going to look like. And so it is in our lives. Paul says to us, you've got a choice between frameworks that you're going to build your life on. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't build your life according to the framework or build your life on the framework that is this world. But be transformed by renewing of the spirit of your mind. Build your life on the framework of the kingdom of God. Because which one you build on is going to determine what your life will look like and what your life's experience will be. You can take Bible scriptures and biblical truths, but if you build it on the framework of this world, you're still going to end up with the framework of this world. Your life is still going to look like this world. So he encourages us. He says, do not be conformed to the framework of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now I want to ask you a question. How do you know which one you are building your life on? How do you know that you are building your life as in its totality or the sections, the parts of your life on the framework of the kingdom of God? and not on the framework of this world? Or how do you know that you're building your life on the framework of the pattern of this world and not on the framework of the kingdom of God? It's, it's not such an easy thing to, in and of itself, discern. I think if you want to know which one you're doing, it's a little bit like an exercise like going to the doctor. You know when, when there's stuff going on in your body and, and you're not feeling well and something's bothering you, you go to the doctor and they, they do a diagnostic process on you. They ask you questions and they measure things in your body and they look at you and based on their diagnostic process, they look at your symptoms and by your symptoms they will tell you these symptoms, is, it's probably that you have this disease. The symptoms reveal the condition. And perhaps it's the same way for us. If we want to know which framework am I building my life on, then we ask, we ask the Lord to help us see what are the symptoms, what what can you diagnose in our lives? What, what is the outcome of our lives? Or what is the experience of our lives? And by those things, then you can trace back and say, well, that's probably the condition of your heart. That's the framework that you're building your life on. And then what a doctor would do is they would, they would then diagnose and then they would prescribe medicine to cure the the, 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 the sickness, the disease you have, if they can't do that, they'll at least do something to treat the symptoms that you have and help you deal with the symptoms. But ideally, they want to change the condition. So this morning, I, I, I felt just quickly, just to talk to you a little bit about what are some of the symptoms of a life that is conforming to the pattern of this world. 
Now, Eugene Peterson writes in the message, and he gives a little bit of his perspective on Romans 12, verse 2. So I wonder if I can, last week we read verse 1, and, and if I can just go to verse 2 and read verse 2 from the, from the message for you. But uh, before, if you guys can put up that verse on the screen, just want to see something. Uh, there we go. Do you notice that when it says Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, in most of the you know, online platforms we use to read scriptures nowadays, they'll give an abbreviation for the, the, the type of translation or book that you're using, and here it says MSG for the message. I think it's very clever that they use the word MSG to describe the message because it makes me think of monosodium glutamate. How many of you know what monosodium glutamate is? It's that stuff you shouldn't eat a lot of. They put in meat to give flavors to me. They put in potato chips to open up your, uh, your taste buds to make you crave more for it. It's really not good to have a lot of it. And so it is with the message. It's like MSG. You shouldn't have too much of it in your life. The message is a fantastic transliteration. It's somebody like Eugene Peterson, and it's great. I value it. I read it. But it's not a biblical translation. It took a few steps into somebody's perspective on it. So not too much MSG, but just a little bit is good. It's fine. But let me read the MSG for you this morning. In verse 2, he begins. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Can you see, He, he sort of goes for that theory that there's, there's, a, there's an underlying structure to your life and that needs to be transformed. If you're going to change your life, it's that inner framework that needs to change. And he, he applies it within the context of culture and, and how in our times there are certain things that, that people do and believe to be right. And he says, don't be so quick to just go with the culture. And, and in that sense, he's, he's referring to what we call the zeitgeist of our times, the, the fads and the fashions of our time. He says, don't just jump headlong into what everybody feels is acceptable. And, and I think it's proper to apply it to that. But I think Paul is actually aiming at something deeper. He's not just talking about that which is the cultural fad of our time. He's actually talking about the worldliness that has been around from the time Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. There's a, there's a spirit of this world active in this world. And it may manifest in different times and different places, in different cultures with different elements. But it, in its core, it's been the same always. As is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God in our day and age may look a little bit different in its outside than what it did in some other time periods just because of how life is lived. But at its core, it's the same thing. And so when I speak this morning a little bit quickly, I, I'm really aiming at those things more, the, the, the more eternal elements of the spirit of this world and the spirit of the kingdom. Not the zeitgeist, you know, sort of flex, flexible, changing, temporal things. And I, want, I just want to suggest to you that I think there's three symptoms. I think there's a lot more, but this, these are the three that I felt the Lord wanted me to highlight this morning as I was praying. There are three symptoms that if these things are growing in our lives and taking root in our lives and present in our lives, they are good indicators that we are being formed by the pattern of this world. And these three things are fear, Anger, frustration. Fear, anger, frustration. 
Now, if you're quick, you will pick up that that makes a little acronym that may make you think of a Springbok rugby player, <laughs> a little golden-haired asterisk kind of guy, and even may make you think of a South African flag, but I'm not going to go beyond that. <laughs> but this little acronym, FAF, fear, anger, and frustration. And you may say to me, now, how do you get to there? How do you get the jump from that you are being conformed to the things of this world and you're giving in to the spirit of this world to fear, anger, and frustration? Let me, let me tell you quickly how I make that, that step. You see, the spirit of this world is nothing other than the spirit that is trying to make life without God. It's the spirit that is trying to create an alternative to God. It is a spirit that says there's life and good life possible without God. So the spirit of this world is the opposite of what we prayed this morning. I, I heard Debbie pray this prayer where she said, Lord, less of me and more of you. That's the spirit of the kingdom of God. The spirit of the kingdom of God is captured in that prayer. Less of me, Lord, more of you. I, 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 I want more, less of my will, less of my ways, less of my answers to problems, less of me and more of you, Lord. But do you know what that prayer sounds like in the spirit of this world? It sounds just like this. Less of you, Lord, and more of me. That's what that prayer sounds like. A prayer prayed to the self. I want less of God and I want more of me. I want less of the restraint of God and I want more of my will. I want more of my freedom. I want more of my expression and more of my desire and less of what God wants. And so the life that is being conformed to this world is a life that is journeying away from God, is a life that is saying, I want less of God. Not only is it a life, it's a society, it's a, a culture, it's a people that are saying, we want less of God and we want more of our own way. How many of you think we've got a spirit in our world alive today that prays, less of you, God, and more of us, more of our will? And you see, the problem is when you do that, you are moving away from your point of security. Because God created us. He made us. He made the heavens and the earth. He is the only one that is qualified and powerful enough and loving enough to be in control and to have any form of exercise at the highest level, to have the authority to control the things and the, of this world. And so the further you move away from him, the further you move away from that fixed point, that security, and the more you move into a space where the highest authority that you now have to rely on is yourself. And that journey is a journey away from peace and security and into insecurity and fear. And so the modern human condition, the further we move away from God, the more fear starts filling our hearts. Because you see, when I'm a, I'm a child of God and I, and I believe in who God is and I believe that He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of everything. Like we sang this morning, I believe He's the way maker. I believe that he's always at work. When, I, when I've got that belief in my life, I've got a point of security that no matter what happens, I bring it all to God and I say, Lord, I thank you that I can trust you. I don't understand what's going on. This is, this is beyond me. I, I, I'm threatened. I feel, I feel this, the, the, the insecurity, but I can come to you and I put my feet on the rock and I say, Lord, I thank you that I've got you. And that brings me peace. And that brings stability into my life. But the further you move away from that, the more that sense of control disappears. 
And it gets replaced by self-control and me trying to control things. But you see, we, we, it's, not, it's built into us that we are not supposed to be in the final control. We don't have the power. We don't have the authority. We don't have the intelligence, the strength. So the more you and I try and take control of things, the more insecure we actually feel. And it's that insecurity that causes this fear to build up within us. I mean, if you ever had somebody take control away from you. Uh, Conway is here somewhere. I saw him. I think I saw him this morning. Told me in the week, was one of our young adults, that he got held up with knife point. Somebody stuck a knife in his stomach and said to him, give me your money and phone and everything. What happens when a person does that to you? When a, when a person with aggression and violence comes into your space, what are they taking from you? The, the thing they're taking is not firstly, they're not taking firstly your money, they're taking your ability to control a situation. They're taking away from you determination in that space. That's why it's so traumatic for us. They, they're forcing you to do what they want to do with violence and anger. And that causes great insecurity to us. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I'm sure many of you, we, as a family, we've, we, I can't say that we've had horrendous, but I, I've had that situation where I woke up in the night and there's somebody at the window trying to break in and I have to scare them off. And what, is, what are you left with after a feeling? What do you feel? You feel somebody's invading my space. I don't feel insecure. In, I, I, start, I start feeling insecure in my own space. And so I prayed with Conway. He said it was amazing that the peace of God that was upon him. And that even after that, he didn't have the fear and that, that, but I prayed for him nonetheless, and I said, Lord, just make him realize and know that you are with him. And that whatever the enemy tried to take away from him, you are restoring. Not just the things, but that sense. You see, and that sense is given to us by God. But when I step away from God, that insecurity keeps growing in me. Because we must remember that we have an enemy who's described by Jesus as a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's trying to take that self-determination, that choice away from you the whole time. That choice that was made so that I can choose God and his ways. The enemy's trying to rob me of that the whole time. And so we live in a world right now where so many people are, are experiencing that fear. Because we are being robbed. And it's just a result of moving away from God that is the only one that gives us that stability and security. Fear. If you are being conformed into the image of this world, more and more fear will arise in you. And then fear gives rise to something else. Fear leads over into anger. You see, because fear is a very powerful feeling. It's a little bit more than a feeling. I think it's a very powerful realization to have. It's, it's that sense of angst, that dread, that feeling that things aren't going to be okay. That when that starts taking shape in my life, whether it's in a big thing, small thing, whatever area, it starts having power over my thoughts, my emotions, and my actions. How many of you know that when fear takes hold of you, you start acting in a way that is led by the fear? The fear starts determining how you do things, how you feel about things, and how you think about things. And so often when we start feeling that fear, there's an anger that comes with it. Because none of us were made to feel that way. None of us were made to feel so completely helpless and powerless. And so one of the ways that we respond to it is anger starts rising up in us. 
And again, I put before you, we live in an angry world because people feel the fear of the insecurity of, of life that is not based on who God is. And this anger starts rising up in us. And, and you know the old story of how it goes that, that when, 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 we get, when, when fear comes into our lives, we have a fright or flight response. And I, and I think with anger, we do the same thing. We, we sort of either deal with it and we, and we become violent or we deal with it by withdrawing. But it's nonetheless anger. Sometimes people, are, in their anger, they will lash out. They will, they will make it known to others that they are angry. They will say the most horrible things or they will even act violently towards somebody. And they're trying to deal with this anger. They're trying to actually take control in a situation because they feel that lack of control. They're trying to grab for it by exerting as much power as they can. And that violence tries to just turn around the other violence and it becomes a cycle of violence. But no less violent, in a sense, is than when people withdraw. It's equally an act of anger. Do you know when you're really angry with somebody, what do you do? Particularly in our families, don't we do this? Husbands and wives, when we're really angry with one another, what do we do? Afrikaans, we've got a great word for it, still staper. I know in English it's giving the silent treatment. That's very fancy. Still staper. I don't know if there's a good Zulu or Sutu or one word for it, but in Afrikaans we talk about, still, can I tell you, still staper is violent. <laughs> it may not be acting in violence, but if you got into the thoughts of the person that is now keeping quiet, how many of you know it's better that they keep quiet? Because if they, if they said what was going on in their mind, if they acted on what they felt they actually wanted to do, it would be bad. It's no less, in a sense, violent. It, it may be a, a better option, but we must remember that Jesus said, even thinking it, you have committed the sin. It's the pattern of this world that we start, this thing builds up in us. And then fear, and anger, and frustration. Now it is said that frustration begets anger, and anger begets frustration. So it, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg, which one comes first. But, so let me just say, frustration is that point where it really is, where it takes, we start believing the lie that I have no control. And I start acting out in ways to take control. And frustration. Frustration is that feeling that I'm caged, I'm cornered. I have no options. I have no choices. I don't know what to do. There's no solution to this problem. And that frustration builds in us. How many of you have been to the parking lot at the mall? And uh, when you put in your 10 rand to pay for your parking ticket, the machine gladly accepts your 10 rand, but it doesn't give you your ticket. Or doesn't say pay. It just says, please pay. What do you feel in that moment? Frustration. And have you seen, I know you've never done it, but have you seen somebody kick the machine? <laughs> have you seen somebody grab the machine and, you know, start pushing it around? Or, or, or push that help button and then start screaming at the poor person that's sitting in an office somewhere who's actually got nothing to do with the fact that this machine stole your money and you're frustrated at them? Because frustration is that manifestation of, I want control. It's that that it's when that lie really takes hold of, I have no choice. And can I tell you, this, is, this happens, man, in every area of our lives. I mean, I can get so frustrated with my children that I, I love them so much, but I can get frustrated with them. 
And so often when I, when, I, when I say, Lord, why am I so frustrated with my children? It's because of fear. I'm afraid that they're not going to reach in life what they should. Now, that may be a legitimate thing. You know, if they're on the couch all day long, doing nothing, playing PlayStation, it's a legitimate fear. You know, one of them has varsity ended end of October. And <laughs> you got to do stuff, man. It's, it's a, but if that feeling of desire for them to progress in life becomes a fear-driven feeling, how many of you know I'm going to deal with it in a negative way, not a positive way? I've got to learn how do I bring my fear, the pattern of this world. You see, because the pattern of this world is a pattern of fear. The enemy wants to use fear to get you to do things. But God says, no, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do I know that I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind? What is, what is perhaps the, the cure to the, those symptoms, or, 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 or perhaps not the cure, but the condition that is the opposite of that? And there's many things, but I want to end and I want to say this. The condition that reveals to us that we are not being conformed to the spirit of this world, one of the key conditions is that there's joy in our lives. Interestingly enough, the joy of the Lord. Not happiness. Not happiness because I happen to have money in the bank and I happen to have a wife that loves me and children that are doing well and, you know, getting all sorts of stuff right in life. And, and not happiness because I've got a job that I like and they pay me reasonably well. And happiness because I can afford to go on holiday. And happiness because I've got, you know, warm bed in the winter. And happiness because I've got hot water in my shower. Not that kind of joy because I know who God is. Joy, because I know that no matter how much I feel out of control, God is still on the throne. No matter how I don't know what to do in a situation, God is still on the throne. That joy is what I'm talking about. The joy that scriptures writers write about, that they, though they may be, be no fruit on the tree, though it feels like my, my wallet's got holes in it and all my money's disappearing, aren't you glad January's over? Praise the Lord. May February be a bit, oh, it's a leap year. Oh, yellow. February is also a day longer. You know, I don't know how we're going to do this, but praise Jesus. We'll be okay by March. Amen. Though it may feel like, oh, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord sustains us. And I, want, I don't have time to unpack this, but to say the joy of the Lord comes from both knowing God and the pleasure of the things that He has given us. In the right balance, first knowing Him. The things can never give you joy outside of God. But sometimes what God does, a lot of the times, is because I know Him, the littlest thing gives me joy because it's connected to Him. It's part of Him. Timothy writes in 1 Timothy 6, says, God who gives all things for our pleasure, for the joy of His goodness. Worship team, you guys can join me. How's your joy levels? If I had to do a consultation with you today, not me, but somebody more knowledgeable and better at this kind of stuff than I am, had to sit down with you and do a bit of a diagnostic process with you, will they find the evidence of joy in your life that says, I am being transformed into and the spirit of my mind because my mind is not set on the things of this world that causes fear, anger, and frustration, but it gives joy. And from that place of joy, I can respond 
It's not that I have less problems or less reason to respond to things. It's just I respond very differently. I respond with a completely different thing. It's faith that gives rise to joy. I'm going to read for you, and then I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to read for you what Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. Such a well-known portion of Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do you know that in the Greek, the word always means always? Always. Every moment, every day, every opportunity, rejoice in the Lord. Again, he says, if you think I, you didn't hear me correctly the first time, let me say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. It's only possible that your spirit can be gentle because you are secure in the Lord. You are not anxious. You are not angry. You are not fighting. You're not seeing everybody as an obstacle, as somebody that's against your joy and your happiness in life that is put there to frustrate you. You are resting and secure in the knowledge of God. And though you work hard and you follow His wisdom and change and do things, you do it from a place of peace and gentleness. We are called to change this world, but we're not going to do it by being angry. We're going to do it by being the people of faith that calls the presence of God through our joy. It's one of our great testimonies. The Lord is near. Be anxious for, what does that word say? Nothing. Guess what in the Greek nothing means? Nothing. It's deep stuff. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let me tell you, this is the lie the enemy drives us with, is you have no power. You can do nothing about your situation. That's the most desperate place for any of us to get to. It's, it's the place of procrastination. It's the place of inactivity, of impotence, of, of just life atrophy. When we start believing that in any situation... I have no power in this situation. But can I tell you, Paul says to us, in every situation, you have power. We know what your power is. You can go to the one who is the final authority of the universe. You can go to him. If the people at, at your work is nasty to you and they're treating you badly, you don't have to just take it. You go to God and say, Lord, are you seeing what's happening? What do you want me to do about this? I am not passive. I am active in every situation because the final authority I can speak to. And he can tell me. And not only does he hear me, he does things. When we sang that song earlier, that, that God is working. When we are sleeping, he is working. He's working on your behalf every day. I can, you can wake up in the morning full of joy and saying, thank you, Lord, that while I'm sleeping, you have been working. I've got a head start on this day. I'm not starting behind. I'm starting ahead because you have been busy. God He's the final authority. He's your Father. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you can do with some guarding of your heart and your mind with the peace that surpasses all understanding? How do I get that? Lord, let me be transformed. How do I do that? Less of me, more of you, Lord more of you.
Next time you feel frustrated, angry, and filled with fear, don't act on that. Take that to the Lord and say, Lord, why do I feel this way? What do you want to do? What is it in me that is insecure? And so that from a place of security, I can act and do what God tells me to do. For some of us, that means we have to have to speak when something's bothering us, not just withdraw. For some of us, we have to not speak and withdraw for a little bit until the Lord tells us what to do. We're different people, different situations. Will you stand with me? I want us to end this morning's service by tapping into some joy. Because joy is all around us here. Joy is one of the core foundations of worship or expressions of worship. It's right that sometimes in worship, and I said it the other day, we have to learn to even mourn in worship. But the, the, that's a temporal condition of worship. The eternal condition of worship is joy. Aren't you glad that when we can sing songs like this this morning, we can do it with joy? I don't know how you express joy, but I would like us to just step into a little bit of joy this morning. I'd like you to step into a bit of joy this morning. If that means clapping your hands, then you clap your hands. If that means lifting your hands, if that means involves your feet, whatever. But can we break free from the spirit of this world, the fear, the anger, the frustration, and allow the spirit of God to pour his joy upon us this morning? Lord, help us whenever the spirit of this world is trying to manifest through fear, anger, frustration, any of its other symptoms. That we would fall on our knees and say, less of me and more of you, Lord. Because that's my life. That's my hope. And I pray, Lord, for this community that there will be a rising of the joy of the Lord among us. That we will go into the streets and into the city and into our spaces and into our contexts where you send us tomorrow and this afternoon and the rest of this week. And that we will take the, the joy of the Lord with us. Because we know not what everything is going to work out and how it's going to be, but we know you. Our Father God. If you have anger in your life, this fear that's taken grip of you, you may need somebody to pray with you. I'm going to invite you to come forward. Let somebody pray with you. It may even be that, they will, that you need to speak to somebody. You may need some counseling. You may need some therapy even. We can help with that. But don't let fear and anger, frustration, Rule your life. You don't have to do that. Because Jesus has made a way. Just submit to Him. So if this morning, if you feel, I just need somebody to help me, just pray with me. Won't you come to the front? But can I tell you, ultimately, you need Jesus in your life. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, if you've never chosen Jesus, if you've been praying that prayer, perhaps this morning you realized it when I said it, that that's been your life, less of God and more of me. If, if you need to stop that, turn around. I want you to come to the front and come and tell one of our pastors and our team that will be here praying for you. Tell them, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Please use those words. Otherwise, they don't know and they need to do a specific prayer with you and just give you something. So tell them, I need to give my heart to Jesus today. But anything we can pray for you, it's a fantastic thing that we can go to our Father. And with all prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, we make our requests known to Him. The Lord bless you. Those of you that have cups, please come and join. If you didn't get a cup, you're also welcome, but you still want to come and meet some people, just come. If maybe your third or second time and you haven't come yet, just come. Let's meet with us. May the Lord bless you. May His face shine upon you. 
May he empower you and may his joy overflow through your life. We're going to just continue to have a little bit of joy in this place, but you're welcome. Get your kids and may the Lord bless you.